And welcome to Wednesday on the Piero Pelka podcast. Mike here and thanking all of you who stopped by Mike Broomhead's show when I filled in yesterday. I am um, I am keeping an eye on everything that relates to Hurricane Ian that is uh, now ashore in uh, southwest Florida and going to rip through Florida. And I hope, I hope, I hope the loss of life is minimal. The loss of property is minimal. But from everything we hear, this is an epic record-setting storm. Let's just hope the infrastructure is able to handle it and the recovery is able to happen quickly. I've never seen anything like some of the storm surge videos that we were seeing early on the uh, afternoon hours as I was keeping an eye on things. We're recording this in the middle of the afternoon as Fort Myers and Naples and that region are getting slammed by Ian. So many of our friends are there and we're sending out prayers and good thoughts for all of them. I hope they got out. If they didn't get out, I hope they are well prepared. Knowing the people that we hang out with, they are very well prepared. It was kind of a weird day yesterday leading up to it as the president was calling all of his Democrat representatives and uh, city leaders around Florida, but not calling the governor. And enough people called him out on that, that he finally called the governor DeSantis late in the day. You had to, Mr. President. You would not have. Just a Bush League move. And uh, politicizing this thing is embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. This is when people need to be uh, coming together and taking care of each other. And for you to play the politics card on this truly was a, a bad move. And speaking of playing the politics card, I was laughing my tail off at Don Lemon over at CNN as he wraps up his uh, primetime gig. He's going from uh, hosting his own show in primetime to being one of three people on a show in daytime on CNN. That's not a promotion. And last night we learned more about why Don Lemon is not going to be hanging on in primetime. He's not capable. He's not a smart guy. Don Lemon trying to blame the hurricane on climate change when he had somebody from uh, NOAA with him, the hurricane director, who shut him down. This exchange is just epic. Can you tell us what this is and what effect the climate change has on this phenomenon? Well, we can come back and talk about climate change at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. We think the rapid intensification is probably almost done. There could be a little bit more intensification as it's still over the warm waters of the uh, eastern Gulf of Mexico. But I don't think we're going to get any more rapid intensification. If you look here, you can actually see, pretty interesting for your viewers, you can actually see a second eye wall forming around the inner eye wall. And that's basically the second eye wall has overtaken the original eye wall. And that should arrest development. So this guy is showing Don Lemon a real serious point and some great facts about the hurricane as it's developing still offshore last night. And Don Lemon can't, he can't stop himself. He can't prevent himself from trying to bring up climate change and push the agenda. Uh, so listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what, what effect does climate change have on this 
phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. Okay. Well, they, uh, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to in intensify. You know, uh, Don Lemon, you, um, you are such an idiot playing the I grew up there card. Oh, so glad when he'll be out of prime time, and I'm sure so many of the people who work with him will be happy about that, too. What an embarrassment. What a terrible embarrassment to his network. Speaking of embarrassment, too, let's get back to Joe Biden. There was an event today at the White House called Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. And the White House is trying to do a good thing and use the power of government to help fight hunger. And also push better nutrition. We have a problem in this country. You'll hear from uh, Dr. Michael Roizen later in the podcast. And he brings up a, a point that we are at 44% uh, of the country are obese. And a lot of it is uh, men who are obese. But we have obese children too. And that relates to nutrition. So this administration is going forward with a push to have better nutrition and health and also to fight hunger. That's an admirable goal. They're also using a woke component, and they're going to put nutritionists of color into neighborhoods of color. Yeah, that's right. They're playing the race card when it comes to putting nutritionists into neighborhoods. How about we just get the best nutritionists we can, and we put them in places that have the biggest problems and be colorblind to it if you're truly colorblind? That would be a good idea, but this this group can't help itself. And uh, while he was doing that, Joe screwed up. He screwed up when he tried to make some uh, off-teleprompter remarks and uh, called out for a representative, a Republican representative, who was not in the room. Not only was she not in the room, she's not alive anymore. Jackie Walarski is dead. And the Biden administration actually put out a statement on this a couple months ago when she died tragically in a car wreck. But I guess Joe forgot about that and was looking for her in the crowd. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Yeah, uh, Representative Jackie, and he fumbled on the name because, you know, he's not good pronouncing names. Representative Jackie Walarski, not there. Interestingly enough, that moment got brought up at the White House during the press briefing today, just uh, a little after 2.30 when... KGB, Corinne Jean-Pierre, took a question about it, which she didn't answer. She quickly changed the subject. Just to try one more time, uh, does the president believe that in his reference to the late Representative Jackie Walorski, who you have said uh, from the podium numerous times he respects the work that she has done, he'll be meeting with her family uh, to honor her work, does he believe he handled that reference appropriately or is this something that he would like to get back 
Basically saying, uh, the president, uh, would you like to take back that comment he made looking for Representative Walarski in the room when she's not there, she's not even alive? Listen to KGB dance around this. You get, uh, what, like to get back what? He said, where is Jackie? Look, I know this is a, a question that many of you have had. I've answered it multiple times uh, already in this room. What question? About his mental capacity? Would that be the question you're talking about? And I don't think you have answered it. You danced around it like you're about to dance around this one. Uh, and my answer is certainly not going to change. Uh, all of you may have views on, on how I'm answering it, but I am answering the question uh, to the way that uh, he saw it uh, and the way that uh, we see it. I'm answering the question to the way that he saw it and the way that we see it. Have you been drinking from Kamala Harris's thermos? That's what it sounds like. Uh, we have to remember as, as well is that, uh, you know, this was an important event today. This was an event about food security. Oh, okay. So the event was about food security, which, you know, we all agree that's an important thing. And fighting hunger and having more healthful uh, meals for people and better nutrition. That's a good thing. Uh, that doesn't excuse the president for not realizing someone was dead and looking for her in the room. This was a bit event about how we're going to take the steps to get to, to eradicate hunger by 2030. And that is something that the president takes very personally. That is something that the, we would be doing this event that has not happened since President Nixon, right? That was 50 years ago that an event like this occurred at the White House. So never mind what I asked about. Just give me a bunch of nonsensical talking points that you have in your binder. It truly is elder abuse to allow this guy to continue. And he's obviously not right in his head. He's not good, but they're going to keep going with this. They're absolutely going to keep going with this. So frustrating. Joe Biden calling for a dead woman to basically raise her hand. Hey, are you out there? Are you out there, Jackie? Where are you, Jackie? He's done this kind of a thing before. He's not right. Uh, Joe Biden did try to, um, I guess, unite everybody. Yesterday, when he made some statements, uh, he's trying to get us all together as we face this hurricane. Uh, the unity message, this was yesterday at the end of one of the press events he held. There's simply nothing, nothing beyond our capacity to get done if we do it together. So God bless you all and pray that we come figure out how to come together better than we have so far. Because a lot of people's lives and futures depend upon it. Yeah, uh, a lot of us would like to come together and work together, especially in the face of things like devastating storms like we're facing. But it's hard for Americans to come together when you and Chuck Schumer and uh, your Democrat buddies in the mainstream media are saying stuff like this about supporters of Donald Trump and Donald Trump himself. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Oh. Every single American should stand in opposition against these radical MAGA Republican views.
This MAGA Republican agenda is an effort to disrupt our democracy. It is sort of a big reveal of the rot and, frankly, the danger of the modern GOP. The rot and the danger of the modern GOP. Yeah, that's from uh, an NBC News employee who claims that she was uh, a Republican at one time. Not, uh, not buying it, Nicole. I'm sorry, Nicole Wallace, in case you didn't recognize the voice. Oh, it's maddening, isn't it? Not? It truly is. Uh, the mainstream media is uh, just so on the side of this guy and carrying every bit of water they can and willing to attack not only the uh, MAGA extremists like myself who, you know, who dare to believe in the Constitution and individual freedoms and individual responsibility and a lack of a giant government. I, I just don't want that. I would like small government, big freedom. But they not only attack people like me, they attack their own when their own dares to stand up for what they believe in. Case in point, uh, Kirsten Cinema, Senator Kirsten Cinema, a Democrat from Arizona. And um, she's out there telling her supporters and the media that uh, she's all for the 60 vote threshold in the Senate, especially on judicial appointees. She likes the idea that the minority has some protections, that there can be reasonable debate in the Senate. But Joy Behar and the harpies from The View do not want that. And they would throw her to the wolves. In fact, they would like to. The only person who seems to like her is Mitch McConnell. (laughs) And Mitch McConnell likes her because she works with him to obstruct the Democrats. She does not help the Democrats. We don't need her. We need a strong Democrat in Arizona like um, Mark, Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly. Yeah, Mark Kelly's running. Kirsten Sinema's not. But Joy Behar, unless you support her 100%, this is that lockstep Democrat fascism that is so popular among these people. And speaking of uh, fascism, the Democrats and their mainstream media pals are losing their minds over the new Italian prime minister. Yeah, Prime Minister Maloney, a female who should be getting all kinds of accolades from the mainstream media and their and their buddies on the left side of the aisle because it's a female in charge of a country, the first time in the history of Italy. And this lady is quite amazing. In case you didn't hear some of her speeches, she speaks in Italian and and in English. But the translation of one of her recent speeches has the message that I think won her the gig as prime minister. Check this out. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? Because it defines us. Because it defines our identity. And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. Because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators the perfect consumer she's genius she's perfect in her logic there the left wants to deny gender even though they say oh no 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 we won't accept all genders no you want to deny all genders 
to create genderless masses of people who you will demand follow you and listen to everything you say. The uh, new Prime Minister Maloney spoke in English recently talking about uh, the late Pope John Paul II as well. I thought this was fascinating. John Paul II, the Patriot Pope, knew perfectly well that nations and the, the fact of belonging to a people sharing the same historical memory were the bedrock of the freedom of every man. Yes, absolutely true. Continue, Madam Prime Minister. He never tired to repeating that there is no Europe without Christianity, a teaching which is more topical than, uh, than ever today, when the Christian identity of Europe is under attack by a distorted secularism that even attacks the symbol of the Christian tradition while throwing open the gates to the most intransigent form of Islam that wants to apply Sharia law in our European homelands and which lies at the heart of the Islamic terrorism that has caused, caused bloodshed in Europe and in the United States. She's talking about Sharia law that the wave of radical Muslim immigrants that swept across Europe in the last five years is hoping to force upon those countries where they have settled. And there are many of them all across Western Europe. Uh, London is particularly disturbing the way London has started shifting. And I know Sweden is feeling the push right now. Sweden, a much smaller country in population, took in a huge wave of Muslim immigrants who are now demanding Sharia law be respected. Prime Minister Maloney had more to say on Pope John Paul II. John Paul's second patriotism also enabled him to view today's historical events in the light of a Christian realism shorn of all rhetoric, as in the case of immigration. He considered that the right to immigrate had to be preceded first and foremost by a right not to emigrate, to live in peace and dignity in one's homeland. Christian patriot, also critic of mass immigration. When you think about that today, John Paul II would be on the European Union's blacklist as a dangerous subversive. That's true. He would be. The same way that um, President Kennedy, the Democrat, President Kennedy would not be able to be elected by his own party now because the party's gone so radical the way that the leaders in Europe have gone so radical. Well done, Prime Minister Maloney. I can't wait to hear more from you. But the mainstream media has already, um, already cast their vote against her. They, they just hate her. And they don't really even know why. Italy has elected its first female prime minister. Note this, though. She is set to lead the most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. For the first time since World War II and the fall of Benito Mussolini, Italy will have a far-right government. The party with roots in neo-fascism. The fiery 45-year-old is comfortable with some of the hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. Yeah, what a horrible motto. God, fatherland, and family. <laughs> My God. You want to kill religion? You want to kill sovereign nation status? And you want to destroy the family? And that will destroy everything. And maybe that's their goal. Maybe it's their goal.
just throwing that out there. Um, I know so many of you are heartbroken you don't get to tune into the cable news today and watch the January 6th hearings. Yeah, those have been put on hold. Put on hold. Why? It's not in um, in solidarity with the people of Florida. I don't think these guys care a fig about Florida. No, they were hoping to get cable TV news coverage because MSNBC and CNN would be wall-to-wall on the latest from Liz Cheney and Jamie Raskin and Adam Schiff for brains. And uh, that wouldn't happen with a hurricane. So they moved their hearings until further notice. They're waiting to see just how much uh, devastation happens that will eat up their precious TV time. Cheney and Raskin and Schiff had a few things to share about the second season of the January 6th hearing. We will be presenting um, new information, new evidence uh, to the American people um, because the investigation goes on. I I promise you it will be uh, interesting for people who have followed it uh, up until now. And hey, um, in a democracy, the people have the right to uh, knowledge about what's taking place with their government. I think. Well, before we get into Adam Schiff, uh, Jamie Raskin is a guy who uh, is obviously not telling the truth there because we're not getting the whole story. We only get to hear a portion of what the January 6th committee wants us to hear. They are selecting what's said, and there's no bipartisanship on this committee because Pelosi wouldn't let it happen. But Adam Schiff has something to say, too. Their government. I think it'll be uh, potentially more sweeping than some of the other hearings. Uh, so I think it will be, as the others, uh, hearing worth watching. No, it won't. No, it won't. You should have gone on with it and just gotten it over with. We're uh, almost 40 days away from the midterms. Uh, wait for this. You know it's going to happen. The left is going to push for the midterms to be uh, put on hold. Or they're hoping for... Uh, a failure of the uh, government in Florida to take care of the people being hit by the storm so they can blame Republicans and say, whatever you do, don't elect Republicans in the midterms. Trust me, they are going to try and make hay out of this. And it's kind of disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, As I said, we have Dr. Michael Roizen joining us. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, I have to ask him about a study that um, says if you drink two pints of beer a day, it'll help you avoid brain problems later in life. And you don't want brain problems. You don't want the Alzheimer's, the dementia. I want to know if it's real, if it's true. So we'll get to that just around the corner. It's Mike Opelka on the Pure Opelka podcast. Pray for Florida. All right, it's a Wellness Wednesday. Time for us to check in with our buddy, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Roizen joins us almost every week to talk about what's happening in the world of health and how to live better, live younger, live longer. He even has a new book out called The Great Age Reboot. And in that book, if you follow these practices, uh, Dr. Roizen's telling us that 90 will become the new 60. No, no, no. no? 90 is going to be the new 40. I got to get this right. Let me get this right. Dr. Roizen is fond of saying that 90 years old is going to be the new 40. 
with about an 80% probability. That is, there are 14 areas. What we go in the book is, the first third is, there are 14 areas of research that have changed the lives of two animal species at least, meaning in their, the equivalent of human at acting at a, as if they're 40 at calendar age at 90 human. Hmm. In 14 areas, with 14 shots on goal, there's at least an 80% probability, because all of this is moving into human trials now, um, as is, for example, the AMBAR study with therapeutic plasma exchange, we're reversing uh, dementia. So all of this is moving into human trials in each of the 14 areas, with 14 shots on goal, likely, we're likely to be able to be uh, 40 when the calendar strikes 90. That's just and great. Remember, we, have, we have a reasonable prediction because we said that 60 would be the new 40 in 1998. It came to pass. And so this is really a pretty good data. Doc, you brought up um, the AMBAR study and fighting dementia, et cetera. There are a couple of reports that were not on your research that I have to ask you about that relate to um, fighting dementia, Alzheimer's, et cetera. Number one, this story that claims two pints of beer a day can help fight off uh, dementia. I, I'm not really a beer drinker, but do I need to start doing some uh, research in this area? Well, you know, after you sent me the story, I looked up the original article. I went through the, some of the references. I went through the data tables. It's in a legitimate journey journal, um, which is one of the keys. It's not published yet in that journal. It's actually on the online version ahead of print. But that's a peer-reviewed journal, meaning other people review it before it gets. So you'd say, is this good data? Yes. It looks very good data. The statistical tables, the supplement tables, which give all the data, are all legitimate. All I read the article. It looks reasonable. It looks written in a serious fashion. Why did I do that? Because the British always have a way of punking us. That is, each of their journals, one article a year, will say something outlandish, and it will be a fake article that they will later tell us is their, quote, Christmas punk article or whatever. Huh. So the medical journal does it on their December 25th or 24th or 23rd edition every year. Uh, just to see how gullible we and the press are. Um, but they make it look legitimate until they give away something. I couldn't find the giveaway. This is the journal Addiction. Now, why is this? Well, this is beer. This isn't wine or spirits. Beer has a lot of the B vitamins in them, in it, because it comes from, if you will, wheat and barley, and that's how you get a lot of the b vitamins and so maybe the rest of the people were if you will in general in great britain if you don't drink or, or in australia if you don't drink beer um you have a risk of being malnourished we don't know the cause of this uh, but in any case it looks like serious science now that's opposed to a lot of other studies and even comments on the twitter feed that say, hey, this is crazy because alcohol is detrimental to the brain. So is it the socialization? You don't drink two pints of beer alone, you drink it with other people. 
um, hopefully, and that socialization, that posse, that stress benefit, they didn't exclude that. So we don't know the full story on this. It'll come out uh, over the next couple of weeks, and we'll talk about it again, I hope. While we're on the subject of brains and health and science, um, noticing that there there is big activity in the stock market behind Biogen, a company that's been doing research in Alzheimer's drugs, and they say that any of the big guys who are doing research in this area are likely to see a spike, too. Should we follow the stock market to see where the where the pharmaceutical world is going? I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, it, it would seem to me that there might be uh, leaks to uh, the stock analysts, but we'll have to wait. You know, the AMBAR study is already out. The FDA has sanctioned a phase, another phase three study on uh, therapeutic plasma exchange for this. It does take time, but you're donating a unit of, of plasma. It's actually used after they wash it up and purify it for someone else, so it's beneficial. And uh, doing that nine times over a five-month period ended up reversing mild uh, dementia. There also are data on a cheap $4 pill, uh, water pill, bumetamide doing the same thing and Viagra doing the same thing. So we'll have to just preventing it. So we'll just have to wait on how this shakes out. Um, but my money would be if I had early signs of dementia, I would start donating plasma. Or if I was worried about it, uh, I will... the you met a story and you had a little high blood pressure or worried about a little high blood pressure, I'd go right on that um, as my daily water pill until the data come out um, as a preventive thing. All right. That's great. Great stuff. Well, let's talk about some of the research you sent. I take a um, low dose aspirin every morning and I'm not taking a blood thinner but uh, should people who take blood thinner, thinners be worried about taking the low-dose aspirin? What this showed, and it wasn't a benefit-risk analysis, it was just so showed risk. In people who are already taking a blood thinner because they have atrial fibrillation or they've got a stent in, that adding an aspirin increases your risk of serious bleeding uh, by a significant amount. Um, they showed that there was uh, no need to add an aspirin for the benefit, and there was only risk for it. So when you do a benefit-risk analysis, if you don't have any benefit, then there's no reason to add it. So the point is, if you're taking a uh, direct-acting oral anticoagulant, from a standpoint of preventing heart attack or stroke, you don't need aspirin. Now, aspirin does other things, as we've pointed out. It decreases inflammation throughout the body. It decreases your risk of cancer in, a, in 13 areas, colon, rectal, esophageal, um, breast, uh, et cetera, liver. Um, so there may be other reasons to take it. Um, but that's a reason to talk to your physician and uh, see what what uh, you want to do. It's always important, and we try and say this every time we talk to Dr. Roizen, talk frankly with your doctor. 
speak directly to your doctor. It's a safe zone every time you talk about your own health and you have to delve deeply into it. Doc, while we're on the subject of uh, talking to your doctors, why are testosterone levels falling? Well, there are three. So what this is, is if you look at 45-year-olds in 1980 and compare them with 45-year-olds in 2000 or in 22, the current levels are lower than they were in 1980 in 45-year-olds, not taking anything else into account. And there are three major reasons why this is thought so. And by the way, they are hugely lower, but they are 10 to 20 percent lower. Um, so what we now know, by the way, is that roughly um, 30, as I remember it, 30 percent of Americans over the age of 50 have a testosterone level that is very low and only about 10% of those are getting treated for it. So why are they falling? Three reasons. One, we're getting more obese and fat holds testosterone, doesn't allow it to be in your blood. It doesn't do any good in the fat as far as we know, but it's a sink for it. It's like it goes there and doesn't do any good. So that's one reason they're falling. And we're more, we're, we've gone from in 1980, we were about 10% obese as a nation. Now we're 44% obese as a nation. And uh, men are leading that. So we're more than women. So that's one reason. The second reason is we are less physically active than our forebears were, meaning they did jobs um, that required more physical activity than the uh, moving computer keys that we do. And having more muscle mass is good for your blood testosterone level. The third reason is we're drinking more, apparently, and alcohol inhibits the uh, production of it and increases the excretion of testosterone. Uh, the fourth reason, which is the one that is the unexpected and maybe the most probable, is we have endocrine disrupting chemicals in our environment, um, such as the plastics and plasticizers and pollution in water and air that inhibit uh, endocrine, that inhibit the production of testosterone and the normal metabolism of it, and that those um, are really the main culprit. Um, and that's, you know, that's the, the classic uh, male frogs in a pond become feminized um, story because the testosterone doesn't stay testosterone with those plasticizers. It turns largely to estrogen. That's the, the one that is thought to be maybe the most major one after obesity. Wow. Environment and those, those things that are messing with our endocrine system. I never thought, Doc that I'd be using an analogy saying frogs were the canary in the testosterone coal mine, but I guess that's <laughs> what, what we're looking at. <laughs> that's, I know that's a weird way to get to it. You, know, you always come up with things on the spontaneous moment that are very <laughs> unique and very memorable. Frogs are the canary in the testosterone 
coal mine. Yeah, there like- they are. <laughs> you could you feel free to use that. I use so much of your information, Doctor Royzen. So much great stuff this week. Thank you, and thank you for tolerating my uh, craziness. Uh, as always, as usual, tell um, tell everybody you know. Get the Great Age reboot. Get the app on your phone so you you yourself can become a genetic engineer. My friend, let's do it again next week. Look forward to it. Thank you very much, Michael. 